you are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Big Ten Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. It is Monday, October 26th, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get 20% off your next order. And joining me from the jump on today's episode, she was here to hear the promo about Built Bar, and I know she loves Built Bar herself. It is Lucy <laughs> Rodine, the host of the new and great podcast, Sports and Jokes with Lucy Rodine. That is very ample and works there very well. Lucy, it is great to have you here to recap the opening weekend of Big Ten football. It was a wild weekend. We had upsets. We had controversial calls. We had surprise wins, Rutgers. We had Ohio State being Ohio State. Outside of the Iowa Hawkeyes, how much fun did you have this Friday and Saturday? I thought that this Saturday was going to be the best day of my life when it started off with Rutgers just beating the crap out of Michigan State. I was like, this is going to be like the best Saturday in existence. And then my Hawkeyes lost and I was like, never mind, I take it all back. But objectively now, if I factor Iowa out, it was a fun weekend. I think we got... We got the competitive games we needed, you know, Indiana, right. Penn State, but we also got the blowouts that were necessary. I didn't realize I needed to see Northwestern blow out Maryland, but I did. I needed to see that. Yeah, there were some great games. Started off Friday night with Mertz Mania. We'll touch on that in just a moment. Saturday's opening slate looked like Nebraska was going to be competitive. They didn't play a very bad game throughout the first half, but then the Buckeyes are just the Buckeyes. Rutgers snapping a 21-game Big Ten losing streak. The afternoon slot was incredible, truly like the witching hour. Iowa and Purdue coming down late. Obviously, what happened with Penn State and Indiana, which I'm sure we'll dive into. The little brown jug. Michigan looks so impressive. And then Northwestern, 43 points. They barely scored that in the entirety of Big Ten play last year. And in the season opener, they had 30 points in the first half. Who are these Northwestern Wildcats? We'll dive into all of that, give you Lucy and my overreactions from the opening weekend of Big Ten football. But first, some breaking news on Sunday evening. Graham Mertz, Wisconsin's quarterback, who had a historic day for the Badgers in their season opener, has tested positive for COVID-19. He has now taken a PCR test to confirm that positive test. If that comes back positive, the second confirmation of his positive positive COVID-19 diagnosis. He will be unable to play for 21 days, return to competition per Big Ten guidelines. And what that means is we could possibly see the third string quarterback in Wisconsin, Chase Wolf, a former three-star from Cincinnati, a registered sophomore, one pass attempt in his entire Wisconsin career. He got some action on Friday night against Illinois. He has appeared in four games, but a three-star recruit from Cincy, 27 touchdowns his senior year. So he's good. And we might have to see him for the next three weeks for Wisconsin. We will await that positive confirmation of Graham Mertz. But Lucy, after a great game that Wisconsin was dominant from end to end in their season opener against the Illini, how crucial is this for the Badgers and what they're trying to do the rest of the season? I mean, this is just so brutal. I'm not, I know that Wisconsin plays what Purdue and Michigan within the next three, three weeks. weeks. And yeah. I mean, there's no buys in the Big Ten this this year. There is no chance for Wisconsin to have any sort of, you know, collective effort to kind of reform their offense, kind of prepare this quarterback. And just what we saw from Graham Mertz on Friday, I mean, 
oh my God, he the Heisman campaign was starting. He was so right. freaking good. And that's brutal because I thought Wisconsin, you know, I didn't see them losing a game after seeing how well Graham Mertz was playing. I was like, I right. don't know who could beat them. Uh, they're such a well-rounded football team. And for the first time in a long time, it feels like Wisconsin has a good, good, really freaking good quarterback. Right. And I don't know how they beat Michigan now. I don't see that happening. I think Purdue might even give them some some problems, but I don't think they can beat Michigan without Graham Mertz. And it just sucks because we get Big Ten football back and we realize, oh my God, we have this crazy, awesome quarterback at Wisconsin and now he's gone. I think this is so brutal for their season. It's really, I don't think it's going to completely derail it um, because Wisconsin is just such a well-rounded team that even if they don't have a great quarterback, you know, they're going to win games and be competitive. But I think it's going to add at least one loss to that, that year schedule and they weren't going to have that before. Right. And this is what we're going to be dealing with all of the 2020 Big Ten football season. When you're playing football amidst a global pandemic, we will have these interruptions. We hope that Graham is healthy. He can return in a safe manner. Part of that 21-day guideline is he has to go through extensive cardiac testing, a lot of cardiac testing, a part of that Big Ten cardiac registry to make sure he is healthy and fit and able to return to play. You talk about Wisconsin's next three weeks in that 21-day guideline following a positive test. Week two, next Saturday against Nebraska. Then they have Purdue and then Michigan. And that is what Wisconsin has set ahead of them in that three-week span. That's the earliest Graham Mertz can come back. And the reason we're even talking about this in the first place is because, of course, Jack Cohn, Wisconsin senior, who was likely to start injuring his foot during training camp. And then Graham Mertz, the four-star, the highest-ranked recruiting at quarterback for Wisconsin in their history, stepped in, played phenomenally. In that game against Illinois, 20 of 21, 248 and five touchdowns, a 95% completion percentage, a Wisconsin school record. And then this happens. It sucks, obviously, for Wisconsin. We hope Graham can return healthy and back as soon as possible. But this is what the Badgers have to deal with. And this is what we will deal with all season long throughout the Big Ten. So let's get to our overreactions, though. Let's have some fun. Let's make them spicy. Let's make them hot. Whatever they need to be. Lucy, as you watch the weekend of Big Ten football play out, what was your number one overall takeaway that you left Saturday with? So what sucks is, is when I was writing these overreactions, I wrote them several hours ago. And my first one is Graham Mertz is going to be the best quarterback in the Big Ten this year. Right. I was like, you know what? I could see this dude being better than Justin Fields. I could see it happening. Never mind. Um, so that is a hardcore check on the overreaction there. So I'm going to go to my next overreaction. And it's not going to sound like an overreaction, but for my, you know, fans out there who are going to listen to this, they will be so mad at me and think this is a huge overreaction. Nebraska is not terrible. That oh my is, God. That, Lucy, I, I, know. I said hot. I didn't <laughs> no. mean scathing hot. I'm going to get a lot of heat for that. Nebraska oh is not terrible. Their offense actually, uh, ooh, I did not like to see it, but their <laughs> offense looks decent oh my god, Ooh, I, got, oh my god. I feel gross just you're gonna have to shower like, after this this is know, really gonna, some stuff out of you i'm gonna get cyber bullied tonight and i just have a feeling but granted they were playing ohio state the fact that they were even competitive for a half of football was just mm-hmm. i did not see that that coming at all and we knew second half ohio state was gonna blow them out like that's just the reality of it but like that's a win for nebraska there is to just be competitive in that half of football and i thought their offense looked really good and oh i just i don't like i don't like to think about it i don't like to say it but nebraska is going to win more games this year than i thought (laughs) that is oh are you okay 
What do no. you think now? Are they going to go like three or four wins? Maybe even five? Are they going to be competitive on Black Friday against the Hawkeyes? Are you willing to go that far? I'm going to say Nebraska gets four four wins. Oh, um, my God. Which is really nice of me. Um, and once again, Iowa fans, please don't bully me for this, okay? It's called an overreaction, all right? I hope I'm wrong. I want to be wrong. But their wins looked good. The fact that... Being competitive with Ohio State for a half is tough for anybody to do. And freaking Nebraska, that's a nightmare. Yeah, Adrian Martinez did look very good on Saturday, was in command, made some mistakes in the second half, but also interesting to see the way they are utilizing Luke McCaffrey. They had him in at the running back position. They had him later in the game throwing a little bit at his true quarterback position. You saw some flashes from Wandell Robinson. You saw some flashes from Dedrick Mills. Even the defense, which was really a huge question after last year, came out and they were flying around. They were making plays in that first half. They were laying the wood in the second half, maybe too much so with two targeting penalties <laughs> that will affect them this upcoming week against the Badgers. Cam Taylor Britt and Deontay Williams, two of the best in their secondary, most likely will be suspended for this Wisconsin game due to the targeting rule. But Nebraska now has a shot week two in their home opener against a possible Graham Mertzless. Graham Mertzless. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Wisconsin team. <laughs> so Nebraska could get one of those four wins that you speculated, and it would be a statement win against Wisconsin. We'll see, obviously, what has to play out with the Badgers. But Nebraska did look good. They were competitive, and that's what you need to see. It's not going to be nabbing in Ohio State right away. That's probably not going to happen for anybody in the Big Ten Conference. But if they can be competitive in the Big Ten West, that will be a huge improvement for Scott Frost in year number three. Firing off these overreactions to the opening weekend of Big Ten football with Lucy Rodine has the blood boiling right now. Feels like I'm going. Feels like the energy is high. But on Saturday afternoon, I was chilling. I was relaxing and I was enjoying Big Ten football. And I was doing that with the only beer out there that's literally made to chill. And that is Coors Light. I cannot tell you how much better my Saturday was with Big Ten football when I added on my Coors Lights, when I had a few of them. Yeah, maybe three or four. Watching those games all Saturday long, starting from noon Eastern time all the way late into Saturday night, I had a couple Coors Lights with me and it made my day even better. I already knew I was going to be excited and so happy to be having a full slate of Big Ten football Friday night and all Saturday as well. But Coors Light made it that much better because it's made to chill and that mountain cold refreshment is literally in its DNA. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and and cold package. It's literally made to chill. That's what it did for me. I was relaxing with a huge smile on my face in between sips of my Coors Light watching Big Ten football. It has that Rocky Mountain water in its DNA. The Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado makes the only beer out there that is literally made to chill. So when I need to chill, when I need to unwind, Coors Light is the one beer that I choose. So when you want to do the same and chill out and relax and watch your Big Ten football, reach for the beer that is made to chill. And you don't even need to leave your couch to get the beer that is made to chill, that being Coors Light, because you can get Coors Light delivered in its new look straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. You have a couple of days until Friday night's game between Minnesota and Maryland and then the rest of the six games on Saturday to make sure you are stocked up on your Coors Light. You don't even need to leave your place of residence to do it. Again, get.coorslight.com. We'll enjoy some Big Ten football. We'll celebrate responsibly and we'll do so with Coors Light, the beer that is made to chill. 
So I had my Coors Light on Saturday all afternoon long, and I knew that my energy at times, right as we got to that afternoon slate, I had built up so much excitement for those opening two games between Ohio State and Nebraska and Michigan State and Rutgers. I was kind of coming down a little bit towards that three o'clock Eastern hour, and I knew I needed to put some good sustenance, some good nutrients in my body. So where did I turn? I turned to Built Bar because Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the improved Built Bar is even deliciouser. I went with one of my favorite new flavors, the apple almond crisp because it's fall and it's big 10 football that flavor just works perfectly for me and i enjoyed eating it because built bars are literally the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar they're covered in 100 chocolate they are soft and easy to chew i put them in the freezer as i always do just a little bit before to get that even that much more crisp the apple almond crisp that much more crisp and it was perfect for me and i knew what i was eating was good for me as well it's perfect for the person looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat the bars are low in calorie low in sugar but they are high in protein and they are high in fiber. They are great for a Saturday of continuous Big Ten football watching. And right now you can go to builtbar.com using the promo code locked on. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. And he needs that right now more than any other coach in the Big Ten West by far, because Nebraska fans were expecting instant results which they weren't going to get but at this point they should have had more from scott frost and it's just been i mean they're so disappointed they won't admit it but they're so disappointed with scott frost and what's happened and i hate to say it but this wisconsin game is a opportunity i don't think they capitalize it i think wisconsin still wins this game right but for once nebraska has the opportunity to beat somebody a whole lot better than them and finally get that statement win and I just, I just don't like it. I just don't like it at all. I, I wanted them to lose by 70. That was not, that was disappointing. Ugh. Ohio State did cover that 26 point, 27 point by the time kickoff happened spread. A brief moment here, Lucy, to talk about my horrible gambling advice for all of you for the opening Big Ten weekend. I want 0-7 <laughs> in my Big Ten picks against the spread. That is not good, but I will honor my promise because it was historically bad. On Monday, I will randomly select one lucky winner if you like that tweet of my opening weekend picks, and I will send out $10 for Venmo for you, courtesy of Tally Site. It was that bad, Lucy. I have to do something. Because if it was like two and five, I'd be like, oh, whoops, didn't get it. But when you go, oh, when you put up a goose egg in the opening weekend, they come to you, Big Ten Ben, and that's why you perform? Yeah, it was tough. Not great. Not great watching all that happen. Well, at least somebody gets $10 now. Right. I mean, that's they good. can that's buy a beer do. to help them forget about how bad your bets were. Yes, that's good. Thank you very much. As we said before <laughs> we even started recording, Lucy, almost more impressive to go winless than it is to go a perfect 7-0. and So I'm doing something right slash very, very wrong. Whatever works. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's low-key like Maryland Northwestern. You have to work that hard to only score three points against Northwestern. Yes. You were Maryland right here. Very, very well said. I don't want to be the Terps the rest of the season. I'd much rather be a Wisconsin or an Ohio State (laughs) or even a Michigan, which transitions very well into my overreaction of the weekend. I think the game between Michigan and Indiana week number three will decide second place in the Big Ten East. Obviously, the winner of that division being Ohio State, but the runner-up will be decided between the winner of Michigan and Indiana week number three of the Big Ten season. Let's start with the Hoosiers because they pulled off a huge upset against eighth-ranked Penn State, the first win versus a top-10 opponent in Bloomington in 33 years. But, Lucy, I first have to ask you, was Michael Penix Jr. short on the two-point conversion? Yes! 
Oh my God. Yes. Every replay, every single one. I was just sitting there and I was thinking, he is short there. He is short. And I'm happy for Indiana because any big 10 fan knows that no one gets as close to beating a top 10 team like Indiana does. And they never finish, never do. I was so happy for them, but oh my God, I think he was short. And I think that if he would have been called short with the original call, yep. Pitt State would have won that game. But that's, you know, it's the original call dictated that because it's not indisputable. And that's brutal because right. I think he was short. I think right. Penn State should have won that game. Right. That spot, that point you just made right there was spot on. If he had been ruled short on the field, I think that would have upheld as well. But the fact they called it good, the two-point conversion good, without indisputable replay evidence, even though you broke it down to that freeze frame and it looked like the ball bounced just short on the outside, I don't know. I mean, listen, as the president and founder of the Michael Penix Jr. for Heisman fan club, it pains me (laughs) to say this, but I do believe he was short. But you bring up a great point there as well. An Indiana team that has been so close for so many years and the positive improvement we have seen in that program still couldn't get it done last year, even though they won eight games during the regular season to knock off a Penn State, a Michigan, an Ohio State. That's why Tom Allen went for two in the first overtime, because he said, we have come so close, but we haven't got it done. I'm going to put the foot on the pedal right here and make sure we do this. I'm going to be aggressive. And it paid off. And at the end of the day, even though we'll look back in history and say, was he short? It's a win in the win column. Indiana pulls the upset over Penn State. So I'm going to talk about those Nittany Lions because although it came down to a very exciting finish, Penn State really hurt themselves in that first half. Sean Clifford looked looked very shaky, very, very shaky in that first half. Three turnovers in that first half, 10 penalties for 100 yards on the entire game. Indiana's defense looked good. Kane Womack had those boys flying around. But, oh, did Penn State look bad in that first half? Sean Clifford looked much better in the second half, used his legs for a 35-yard touchdown scamper, made some great throws like to Jawan Dotson at the end there, the 65-yarder that got it back, Penn State, back in that game. It just was not good in the first half. And I think when you look at the overall 60-minute summation of the game, that's really why Penn State lost. And they were behind the eight ball trying to play catch up most of that second half. And it didn't end up working out for the Nittany Lions. A hundred percent. And I think it's kind of like a bigger scope than this game. I think it was very obvious in almost every game we watched that it has been 10 months since Mm -hmm. these guys have played football because the first halves were sloppy for a lot of teams. Like Ohio State didn't have a great half. Penn State didn't have a great first half. Iowa didn't have a great first half. You were kind of seeing that the the craziness of this offseason, the lack of preparation that, you know, normally goes into an offseason, it really, really showed in these opening games. Um, Even though I think Clifford just, I mean, crapped the bed in the first half it was so right. terrible like it was part lack of preparation also just what is going on yeah uh, he looked awful but it was just I think I noticed that in almost every single game it was very very obvious that this is such a different season and a note there too I'm sure it was a huge change up in Happy Valley this week that was leading up to the opening so Lucy and I have highlighted some of the good to come out of Saturday now with some of the bad that could be very, very bad for the rest of this 2020 Big Ten season. That's all coming up next. A new OC, the brilliant OC mind coming over from Minnesota and Kirk Shiraka, but still adapting to that system. The running back room now filling in 
for Journey Brown wasn't all that impressive between Devin Ford, who had the bonehead kind of mistake that he went in and scored. And Indiana said, thank you very much. And they, Mm -hmm. James Franklin even said, they discussed and practiced that throughout the week. And even before that play on the sideline, he reiterated, do not score, go down short. And Devin Ford, I mean, you know, you're a young kid. You see the end zone right in front of you. That's what you've been taught your entire life to go score, to score a touchdown, to put your team, extend the lead. But when it comes to it, that's a mental mistake that ended up costing Penn State that game. Indiana's offense didn't really look that great either. And that was really going to be their calling card. New offensive coordinator, Nick Sheridan, taking over for Kalen DeBoer. But I mentioned Michael Penix Jr. for Heisman Fan Club. That is what we are doing. He had a good game at the end. He made the plays when he needed to, but their offense in total, only 211 total yards. The guys we expected to be the playmakers on the outside and Ty Freifogel, Watt Fillier, really didn't do all that much either. Peyton Hendershot, the talented tight end, wasn't really a factor as well. But I think that's a good thing for Indiana as they look to continue to improve this throughout this 2020 season is the fact that defense looked great, which was maybe one of the bigger question marks. And if the offense can get rolling like they expected to, this Indiana team could be that runner-up finisher in the Big Ten East, as I said in my overall reaction. I totally agree with that. It's just kind of weird to sit here and think like, wow, we're recognizing Indiana for their defense right now. Like that is just a very like foreign concept. But right. I think if you look at the past couple of years with a lot of the linebackers they've had, like if that isn't a terrible defensive school and they have made huge strides since Tom Allen got there. And I think right. part of how great they were defensively first half was how really bad, you know, Penn state was offensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, I think they look really good on the defensive side of the ball. Like you said, I mean, Indiana's got tons of wins and offensively that flow and, and that click and they'll get going. I think that you're right. They will be very competitive in the East this year. I don't know if I necessarily see them finishing second. Right. Um, that's just because part of me believes Indiana's going to wait to somebody they shouldn't because that's just Indiana. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And as we talk about the other side of my overreaction, the Michigan-Indiana matchup week three, let's talk about those Wolverines because they look so, so impressive in the little brown jug. Joe Milton lived up to all the offseason hype. He looked very comfortable. So in command of that of that Josh Gaddis offense, 15 of 22, 225 yards through the air, a touchdown, and then added 52 rushing yards and another touchdown with his legs. The rushing attack was just explosive as all heck. 8.2 yards per rush was the average for the entire Michigan offense. Zach Charbonnet was huge. Hassan Haskins was huge. 82 yards on five carries, or six carries rather, for Hassan Haskins and two touchdowns. I looked at that. I'm like, oh, he's got 82 yards. What is that? Probably 15, 16 carries. Six. And he scored on two of them. They looked so good on offense, so balanced, really stuck it to that Minnesota defense that was having to replace seven starters. And Minnesota really looked lost defensively yesterday or on Saturday, rather, because when you're hearing this, it's Monday in that matchup of the little brown jug. I just, 
I get why Jim Harbaugh wanted us to see Michigan play so bad. I get why he was like, we need this season. Oh my God. Michigan looked so good. I think they looked really good defensively. Minnesota is such a good passing and we saw that last year and that's how they really beat everyone last year. They had those crazy long, those passes, Michigan completely took that away from Minnesota. They shut down that offense, which is a really good offense. And then offensively wise for Michigan, Milton looked amazing. They were clicking, they were flowing. It seemed well-balanced and it was, I thought coming into this game, I thought Michigan was going to lose. I picked Minnesota in this game because I assume Michigan's coming into a decent opponent, which Minnesota is, and Michigan's overrated. And for the first time I was sitting there thinking, oh my God, Michigan might not be overrated right now. I thought they looked really, really good just on all facets. I thought their defense looked great. Tanner Morgan himself even said throughout the week leading up to the Little Brown Jug that he knew Don Brown was going to bring the pressure. That's what he does. He was getting ready and expected it. Minnesota returned all five guys on their offensive line, a huge offensive line. And the Michigan front seven still looked great. Quiddy Pay, two sacks, three tackles for loss. Aiden Hutchinson was disruptive. They made Tanner Morgan look very, very pedestrian. A QBR less than 50, I believe, in Saturday night's matchup against Michigan. And Tanner Morgan had one of the most efficient seasons in college football history last year in 2019. Rashad Bateman still had a great night. But Tanner Morgan just didn't have what we were used to seeing. And I think that's kudos to Michigan's defense. So, again, That Michigan-Indiana matchup week three is going to be huge. Michigan then gets Wisconsin the next week, week four. Could we see an unbeaten Wolverines team by the time we get to week eight in the game against Ohio State? Maybe. That was kind of one of the overreactions I was going to go with, and I was like, wait, they still have a very tough Big Ten schedule. That was my overreaction was going to be Michigan- is has the best shot they've ever had at beating Ohio State with Harbaugh as their head coach this year, but I couldn't make myself write it down. I just right. couldn't do it because even though I see how great Michigan looked against Minnesota, I'm just like, I don't trust it. I don't trust it at all. I think that they could slip against Indiana. Uh, I think they'll still lose to Ohio State, but oh my God, did they look really good. For the first time, I feel like in a long time, Michigan is actually living up to the hype this season. They were a team who came in and didn't look like they hadn't been off from football for 10 months. They looked put together and they looked good. Yeah, and Jim Harbaugh was still practicing throughout even the shutdown when we were confused about what would happen with the Big Ten season. He kept everybody that was in Ann Arbor working working out together, practicing together. That paid off in Saturday's preparation for the Little Brown Jug. The reason we're not overreacting about Ohio State is because they did exactly what we expected Ohio State to do. Justin Fields looked fantastic. That rushing attack looked great. The wide receivers on the outside with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Oh my God, are they big time players. In the defense, which if you wanted to call it like the teeny smallest question mark in the world, looked really, really good. It's just a question of, okay, we have all these five stars, but when we put them out on the field, are they going to perform like they did in high school? Yes, they did on Saturday against Nebraska. So let's get back to the overreactions, Lucy Rodin, the host of Sports and Jokes with Lucy Rodin, very aptly named. Give me another overreaction you had from Saturday, and please tell me it includes the Iowa Hawkeyes. I did not do an Iowa Hawkeyes overreaction. Did it, Lucy? Uh, I can We're come not up firing with one Spencer right Petrus. We're not oh, kicking wait. him out of Iowa City. I'll give you an overreaction. Tori Taylor, the Iowa punter, is going to win the Heisman this year. <laughs> he was 
the only, like looking back, it really wasn't that bad of a game, but the biggest bright spot, Tory Taylor averaged 45 yards a punt. Mm-hmm. It, we were just sitting there watching that 23 year old freshman do his thing. And he has my Heisman vote. Now that Graham Mertz is out with COVID Tory right. Taylor for Heisman. That's my overreaction. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. He was blown up in Hawkeye Twitter. I absolutely loved it. Booming some down there. And what would a Big Ten weekend be if not one of our overreactions being about the punting game? All three phases, Lucy Rodine, as you know, in Big Ten football is crucially important. So give me another overreaction that's not tied to the Iowa Hawkeyes that you saw from Saturday. Michigan State will be the new Rutgers this year. And I yes. don't even think that's an overreaction. They looked so bad. And right. I, un- so at the same time, I said, I understand why Jim Harbaugh wanted Michigan to play so bad. I understand why Michigan State was so pro canceling the season. <laughs> those football, it you can just tell that those coaches genuinely just wanted to skip the season. They don't care at all about this year. It was a just a garbage showing. And I feel bad for Mel Tucker because yeah. obviously he's coming into a, a new coaching job in the weirdest and worst time in history to do it. Mm-hmm. But oh my God, did Michigan State look freaking terrible? They needed a whole year off to just introduce themselves, be like, hey guys, and stop wearing the name tags around the facility. Like, hey, I'm Mel, <laughs> you know, like, because they don't know. And that's really the case. And I think that was evident with Michigan State. You take a weird off season for everybody in the entire world. 2020 has sucked, right? But you, and when you look at Michigan State and what Mel Tucker has had to deal with coming in in the middle of February, barely meeting his players because Mark D'Antonio said, I want my four mil before I leave these Lansing. That left Mel Tucker in a terrible spot. The fact that he had to introduce his coaching staff, his system, his schemes, really as we're getting ready for fall camp in the original one, then that shut down. Then he has to come back for training camp and get things going. That was going to be so tough for the Spartans. And that leads me to my also overreaction from Saturday. The Rutgers win and the Northwestern win is not so much about how those programs will be throughout this year, although I think there will be improvement. It's about how bad Michigan State and Maryland are going to be this year. Oh, 100% I mean, bad. I want to talk about Maryland real quick because it is only year number two of Mike Loxley, but I don't know if we're going to get to year number three because that team just looked like they had no fight. And there is too much talent on the field with this Maryland team to be that bad. They allowed Northwestern to score 43 points, as we said. Northwestern averaged 12.6 points per game in Big Ten competition last year. The Wildcats had 537 yards of total offense, 325 yards on the ground. This Maryland team is, again, way too talented, has way too much at their disposal to be this bad, to only score three points and to give up 43 to the Northwestern Wildcats. I just... Yeah, I I look at Northwestern's offense last year, and granted, I know that they finally have a quarterback in Peyton Ramsey, but Northwestern's offense still is not good. You don't go from just the worst I've ever seen to dropping 40 in a game. Right. It is just a true testament to how terrible Maryland is. I did not like that Mike Lotsley hire when, when we heard about it a few years ago. He's kind of a sketchy dude, and, I mean, it just... It was kind of one of those things where I'm just, I'm sitting here and I, I recorded my podcast. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to just check and see what, what the score of Northwestern Maryland is. And it was just kind of like one of those, like, oh my God, like how you have to, it's kind of like your bets. You have to try to be that bad. Like, thank you for bringing that up. That was really kind of you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Like, it was just, 
And you're right, Maryland. It, Maryland has all the talent they need. They're also in a recruiting hotbed where they're located. It makes no mm-hmm. sense why Maryland isn't successful. And it's not like Maryland has always been this bad. Like, right? Oh my God! It's just to give up 40 points to Northwestern is, I mean, fire Mike Lossley on the spot for that. That's atrocious. That's a crime against humanity. Right. I mean, Northwestern's offense can be improved and they only had one way to go, but 325 ground yards, that, that's just because there was gaping holes all across the defense on Maryland's side. And even on the offense, Talia Tungabailoa, the younger brother of Tua, who had this hype coming in with him, immediately eligible, looked abysmal. Three interceptions. Lance Lejean, however, who came in late, four for four for 49 yards. I would not be surprised if he is the Terps' week two starter. And then let's go back to that Michigan State-Rutgers game because although Rutgers looked good, Noah Vedrill, the Nebraska transfer, looked very solid at quarterback. Great dual threat, great arm, great legs. He was looking good. The defense played really well for Rutgers. But Michigan State turned the ball over seven times. Five fumbles. I tweeted this out on Saturday, Lucy. It was like the gif of Kevin with his chili at the off, like walking up in the (laughs) office and just spilling it everywhere. Michigan State could not hang on to anything on Saturday. Oh, my God. I just they had no ball control. It was sloppy. It was, there just seemed to be no cohesion at all. I don't think Rocky Lombardi looked that bad. He definitely didn't look good, but he didn't look that bad. And it was just one of those things where you were just like, there is no, you could tell that there was no chemistry on that team at all. There was just nothing was clicking and going right. And it wasn't one of those like, oh, well, we're playing Ohio State. Obviously, nothing's going to go right. You're playing Rutgers. Right. And Greg Shiano's back. I know there's hype with that. That's a great coach. But it's still the same team from last year. You know, the same mm-hmm. guys. Oh, it was unreal. Five fumbles. I loved that the game basically ended on an interception because I was like, it had to end on a Michigan State turnover. It just had to do it. Unreal how bad Michigan State looked. And you could just see there was no energy. There was no life there. Michigan State has already just taken the L on this season, and they're just going to ride it out until basketball season comes around. I think you're spot on. I I mean, Maryland and Michigan State, because they are big Big Ten East opponents, will play each other at some point. Whenever team wins that game, that might be their only win in big time oh, yeah. play this entire year. I mean, it's, it was that bad. It was sad to see. I thought Michigan state would rely on the ground game. They still had some good pieces coming back on defense. They only had 50 yards rushing against Rutgers. Again, that says more about Michigan state to me than it does about how great Rutgers offense could be. It's going to be a bad year in East Lansing and a bad year in college park as well. So she didn't give you many overreactions in terms of Iowa, but the host of sports and jokes with Lucy Rodine recorded an instant reaction to Iowa's loss to Purdue right after the game on Saturday. Make sure to go give that a listen. As soon as we are done here, Lucy Rodine, thank you very much for your time. It is always a pleasure talking with you. And now that we got to recap week one of big, Big Ten football. I texted you this when we were DMing about setting up this interview. Truly nobody better in my mind to be doing this with. And that includes Andrew Wade. So yes, it's great to have you here. Andrew's honestly just going to agree with you. He's so nice. He'll be like, yeah, Lucy's the best. Andrew, you got to fight for yourself this time. Stick up for yourself. Okay. Yeah, he does. He really does. He really has given into this joke. I let off. He was on the Monday episode last week, getting ready for the Big Ten season. And I said something along the lines of his intro. I can think of no better person to start off Big Ten football with than Lucy Rodine, but she wasn't available. So we have Andrew Wade. And he was just like, oh, damn, I wasn't ready for that. (laughs) But that is the ongoing joke I have now with Andrew. But Lucy, truly a pleasure. Great analysis, great overreactions. And everybody go give a listen to Sports and Jokes with Lucy Rodine. Lucy, thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You know, I'll be back soon. 
So many thanks again to our favorite podcast guest who once put in her name, her middle name, Lucy Podcast Guest Rodin. Now she is podcast host, the host of Sports and Jokes with Lucy Rodin. Get that wherever you get your podcast, wherever you are listening to Locked On Big Ten. Make sure to tune it over to Sports and Jokes with Lucy Rodin right after we wrap up. And we're about to wrap up on Monday's episode, Overreaction Monday. We get to Tuesday tomorrow, a little bit of a state of the programs, hearing from around the Big Ten Conference with some teams that maybe put up a little bit of a lackluster statement in week one of the Big Ten season and seeing where we go from here. That is on tomorrow, Tuesday's episode. So until we talk tomorrow, have a splendid Monday.